Creativity is everywhere. Some see it in art. Others see it in Keanu Reeves running across the silver screen. But if you ask around, some would say it doesn't belong in the business world. Well, today, we're going to try to change the minds of those that see the business world as nothing more than pencil pushing and spreadsheets. Hi, welcome to Flannel Talk, the show where we discuss numerous things from business and sports to technology and news, all from the comfort of a warm flannel. Today, we'll be taking a look at creativity in the business setting. We'll be talking to a local business owner as well as some wisdom from a personal guest. And at the end, we'll try to reflect on all we've heard. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the very first episode of Flannel Talk. All right, so to kick things off today, we are joined by Dr. Justin McLaughlin. Am I pronouncing that right? You said it beautifully. All right, perfect. Uh, so thank you for coming on the show today, Doctor. Happy to be here. All right, so Dr. M here is not only the founder and operator of his own online book selling business, but he is also an excellent professor of Business 101 here at Miami University. Well, that means um, so, a lot, you know, considering we, we've uh, only got to know each other a little bit. You already think I'm excellent. That bar is set super high. Let's see if I can match it. Well, you gave, a, you gave an excellent presentation on Friday, so I'm, I'm already inspired. Thank you. All right. So um, really quickly, can you go ahead and tell everyone, um, what's the name of your business? So the legal name of my business is Higher Ed Media. And within that business, I run a bookstore um, on Amazon known as higher ed books. And I've been doing that for about four years outside of my business. I do uh, some cult, uh, inside my business outside of the bookstore. I do some consulting as well. So I stay busy and have a lot of fun. Right. Um, is your business mainly textbooks? Is it like leisure books, a little bit of both kind of what, what exactly is the product you're selling here? That's a great question. So a lot of people when they ask that question and anticipate that it's Primarily textbooks because of the resale and the whole process that goes along with you buy them, you take the class, you sell them. Um, and I do some of that. In fact, I'm going to do a little bit more of that this year. Uh, but the majority of my inventory is education related books among any and all disciplines. Uh, but a pretty small percentage of that is actual textbooks. So if you were to go into a library, um, these are the sort of books that you would find. Okay. Okay. So today's episode is all about creativity in business, and um, I'm just going to, I got a few questions I want to ask you about um, more towards your, your book business, but if you have any good examples in your teaching profession as well, by all means, feel free to add those in as well. Anything is helpful. Sounds good. So my first question for you is, what is it? Like what aspect of your business do you feel needs the most creativity? Where do you need to be the most creative? I think uh, the area I need to be most creative now is relying less on what Amazon does for me and starting to create my own brand and my own marketplace in addition to what I do with Amazon. Amazon makes it super easy. Uh, that's why I started there. I'm sure you know Amazon started as a book business to begin with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the infrastructure that they have, the fact that I can run the majority of my business from my cell phone, the, the camera and the barcodes, like it's just, it's a beautiful 
beautiful infrastructure that just makes it super easy for me. I've relied on them to get me to where I am. And now it's time to expand further, find different audiences and maximize efficiencies where I possibly can. So you would say a big piece is a big piece that requires a lot of creativity right now is marketing yourself as independent and away from Amazon. Is that correct? Yeah. Very well said. Okay. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Um, is it just you that runs this business? Do you have employees or is this just kind of all your own doing? Uh, I have two people that work with me. Uh, I'm the sole owner and operator, but I've got mm -hmm. two people that uh, have worked for me for several months now and really have catapulted the success uh, of the business. So that, that was one thing that I was super afraid of is the process of hiring people and making sure that they were performing as I needed and how much do I pay them and how do I keep them motivated? What I realized was it's not as bad, even though I've managed people for many years, it's not as bad when you're the owner as I had anticipated. And in fact, I learned to kind of take a step back, shut my mouth a little bit and listen to their ideas. And they have helped me uh, fix a lot of things that, uh, that I needed to fix, like the inventory process that I've used. It was my two people that I work with that uh, helped me improve that and have really made running my business way more efficient than it had been before. Okay. So a, a new set of eyes and a new creative mindset, if you will, can, has really benefited your business in the long run. A hundred percent. Fantastic. Um, now I don't, I don't know exactly how your business is structured. I don't know if um, you really offer promotions to your two employees or whatnot, or, but what, what kind of, what kind of creative, thinking or creative traits, I would, I'll say, are you really looking for, for in these two employees and possibly future, future employees as your business grows? Very good question. So the two people that uh, work for me now list books exclusively. That's what they do. I have a lot of books in storage um, that aren't necessarily in inventory on Amazon yet. So I, I trained them how to take them from a box and get them into my Amazon store. And then they bring those back. Uh, and that is the extent of what they do right now. Now, one of those employees does it part-time on the side. Uh, the other does it as his primary source of income and has expressed the desire to do more uh, longer term and hang out with me as, as long as he possibly can building this business. So I'm at the point now where I'm learning what his skill sets are over the past few months and having conversations with him about what he can do beyond the manual work of listing books uh, for me on Amazon. Okay. Um, what was, I have another question here. Where is it? Ah. So what do you think, I'm kind of switching gears here towards sure. your, your teaching profession now. So as you said, um, and can you just confirm for me? You said you are the, the media manager for the, the FYIC at Farmers Business School. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, the technical title is communications coordinator. But in that okay. role, I now, uh, working with the director of the FYIC, I oversee all of the creation and um, management of our social media presence. Okay. Um, so what is what is really the goal of the FYICs, the FYICs, and for the viewers, that's four-year integrated core here at Miami University. And it's a great set of four classes for early business students. What, what would you say the main goal of a social media presence is? Is it more for students? Is it more for 
parents, what, what are you really trying to accomplish with such a with such a large social media presence? Our main audience is you, as in okay. those students who are currently in the first year integrated core and those students who are thinking about what they're going to do with their life when they get to college and where's the right place for them and where can they find the most value and get the best experience. So it's students in the FYIC and students who are thinking about where they want to go. Uh, we also want to create a community of those students who are here right now. We want you to get to know each other. We want to, you to get to know all the opportunities that exist as part of the first year integrated core all of the opportunities that exist beyond, like with student organizations, with speakers on campus, with case competitions. There's a lot going on, and there's a lot of places to go to find out what those things are. We really see social media as a place to bring all of those together because we know that's where you are. We know that you're there on Instagram or on TikTok or on LinkedIn or on Twitter. You're watching videos on YouTube. So we want to be there sharing that information that's relevant to you at the time that you need it. Okay. So from a, from more of a, somewhat of a marketing standpoint, would you agree or disagree that social media in today's world is a very important piece of getting your name out there, getting your brand out there, making yourself known to the public? Oh, it's critical. It's absolutely critical, critical because that's where the eyes are. Now, you know, I'm, I'm uh, 37 years old and social media has not always existed in my life. Right? I used to watch TV when I was younger a lot more than I do these days. I didn't have a TV that was in my pocket walking around or waiting at the doctor's office. I would look at a magazine. I wouldn't be watching anything else. Um, but now we have these cell phones that we're always okay. looking at, good or bad. There's, there's definitely opinions for both and there's situations for both. But because we know you have that in your pocket and we know that you have a voice that you can share what you love or what you need help with in the first year integrated core we want to help tell those stories so social media is critical for any business for any educational institution in the first year integrated core is no different okay so kind of the the wrap it all up quick it's kind of my last question here for you okay. um overall a, a lot of people if you ask a lot of people a lot of people think business is putting numbers in the right chart it's pencil pushing um it's spreadsheets how where would you say, or how would you say, how would you explain to these people that creativity is such a big part of business in so many more ways than they could realize? Holy moly. Well, um, <laughs> in my opinion, uh, numbers and spreadsheets are certainly a part of business, um, but business is really about people. It's about providing something that a customer finds value in something that you can help to make their life easier or help prepare them to be more successful. So if I think about what we do at Miami, it's about putting together a program in your first year, either in the fall or the spring semester, that helps get you started on the right path to understanding business. So that's why we put that together. It's about finding that value that you need to get a good start. When I think about my book business, it's about providing good quality books, to the people that need that specific book at a very specific time. And I stick it in the mail and send it to them. So they get the, they get it as quickly as possible. So it's, it's people, it's me over here, pulling the book, putting it in the envelope, mailing it to another person. Yes, there are spreadsheets. Yes, there are numbers, but I got to find out the best possible way to provide that value. Now, creativity 
is present in every single thing I do. I, earlier I mentioned my inventory process, which for mm-hmm. some people like supply chain management students, I know there's a lot of uh, those students in the first year integrated core right now, they might get excited about the creativity of supply chain. And some people might think it's completely boring. I love it. And I had a certain process. And like I mentioned earlier, I needed my two people to be more creative with me to figure out how to do it better. So reinventing the way that I did inventory management, coding, some of those numbers and spreadsheets that you're talking about was really a people process. It was me learning to shut up and listen, which as managers, as owners, as entrepreneurs, as professors, sometimes we need to do a better job of that. That was beautifully said, doctor. Um, Really last thing before you go, is there any, uh, words of wisdom or words of advice you would have for future, for your current business students, for or for perhaps future business students that may listen to this about creativity in business as a whole. Any last minute advice? You're going to hear a lot in ESP 103 and the whole core about trying and failing and learning from it. And as scary as failing might be, that is the way that you learn best. That's the way that I learn best. Because if you sit back and you overthink what you need to accomplish, whatever it may be, and you run up against the clock and you come up with what you think is going to be best and you fail, you have no time to react. A lot of students are too afraid to speak up, to ask questions, to talk to UAs, to talk to professors, and they put themselves in that situation. My advice to any student, period whatsoever, is to develop a solid relationship with people who can help you be successful. So that you're in constant communication along the way before those deadlines come. So get to know your professors, visit them during office hours, get to know your undergraduate associates, your UAs in your classes, because they've done it before and they can help you avoid some of the mistakes that they ran into while you put yourself out there, take some risks and learn from them. Well, that was very inspiring. Thank you, doctor. And that is all I have for you. So I will thank you right now for your time, um, your insights and everything else. And I really appreciate you coming on today's podcast. I love it. Let's do it again sometime. I will gladly. All right. Um, I will go ahead for everybody who's interested in the FYIC. I will be putting some of their social media accounts in the description of today's episode. I believe Instagram, uh, LinkedIn and just for Dr. M, I will even put their TikTok. Um, so, but doctor, thank you for your time. Hope to see you again on the show soon. Looking forward to it. All right. You have a good day now. Thank you. Once again, I just want to thank Dr. Justin McLaughlin for coming on today's show. Uh, he arrived on somewhat of a short notice and I appreciate him for sharing his insights. Um, any of you that are interested in what the FYIC is all about, again, I will be linking some of their social media in the description of this episode for you to follow check out and see if you like anything. You know, it's an interesting program. Um, We will be right back with some more exquisite content after these short messages. Has breakfast become boring? Looking for something to kickstart the day? Then Superos is the product for you. Jam-packed with four grams of fiber and daily nutrients, it's guaranteed to make your day super. Look for it at your local grocery store. Let's face it, keeping warm isn't easy. 
Coats are boring, and frankly, they lack style. But with a new flannel from flannel.com, you'll keep warm and look good doing it. Don't be cold, be smart, and get yourself one today at flannel.com. It's your flannel destination. Moving along, our next guest is a Mrs. Diana Forte. Miss Forte is a very close family friend of mine who works in both marketing, or who works in marketing for J&J, excuse me. Uh, thank you for being here today. Hey, thanks for having me. So really quickly, um, why don't you just tell us, before we get into the questions, why don't you just tell us a little bit about what you do at J&J? Sure. Um, so as you mentioned, I work for Johnson & Johnson here in Cincinnati, Ohio. I've been with the company 20 years, this coming April in a um, really kind of crazy career path. I've been in finance, marketing, a commercial operations role, finance again, back to marketing. Um, so my current role today, and probably a lot of my role has definitely been evolving, but my current role today is I'm responsible for all of our communications to our sales team. And so we have around 900 sales reps that I support. And I handle basically any marketing communication to the field. And our sales team, if you think of it, um, so my company, I should have said this, is Medical Devices. So I work for Ethicon. And we sell products into surgeries, a lot of elective surgeries. But essentially, our sales reps are our primary channel. Um, surgeons need to have hands-on experience with the product before they'll go to their hospital administrator and request the product brought in to the OR. Um, so my role is basically to communicate the strategies and the tactics from the marketing team back to the 900 folks. Okay. Um, really quickly, so is Ethicon, uh, is it like a sub-company? It's owned by Johnson & Johnson, correct? Yes. So okay. Johnson, um, kind of different than other, you know, enormous global companies. We have... Every company is within J&J is wholly owned by J&J. We're Johnson & Johnson employees, but mm. the entire company is segmented into three sectors. So there's consumer products, pharmaceutical products under the Janssen name, and then medical device. So I fit okay. the medical device sector. Gotcha. Okay. So really quickly, the first question I'm going to lead off is, so obviously with marketing and whatnot, creativity is a, is a fairly important piece of your job. How, just how important is creativity to what you do at work every day? So creativity in the sense of I'm going to come up with a creative um, piece of art, let's say. That mm -hmm. is definitely not important. So that might be what some people think of creativity. So where mm -hmm. creativity plays in um, – I'd say it's, it's important, but what's really kind of unexpected in marketing roles is marketing, marketing managers wear a lot of different hats. So they might have to be creative, but a lot of times we actually outsource and hire mm -hmm. an ad agency um, when we mm -hmm. really have to get creative with our advertising. So we're really, another way to think of um, marketing managers and big companies are product directors. So okay. we're managing a lot of different aspects of the product and kind of the creativity as far as like advertising that you might be thinking of. Um, a lot of times we lean on external agencies who do that all day long. So you kind of bring in 
more of rather than look within the company for creative for certain really big creative projects you go to more of what i might call like creativity specialists so to speak or experts if you will um that's a great way to think of it so where okay. it's when and actually i'll just kind of back up even um which i learned very quickly when i first went into marketing from finance is setting the strategy for your creative agency that's your responsibility as the marketing manager. So we write something called a creative brief. And you write that brief and that's everything that you need to get out of this creative agency. So it's what is the strategy? Who is the target audience? Um, what are the results that your, you know, your um, objectives? So this creative brief is super, super important um, to okay. really making sure you and your agency are on the right track. Okay. Um, so as you said earlier, you mentioned that a big piece is helping surgeons get kind of hands-on experience before they bring those tools or before they go to the hospital administrations to bring those tools exactly. into the OR. My, my kind of a curious question for you is how do those, like, first of all, how do you get in touch with, like, how do you know which surgeons, do you, like, how do you decide which surgeons would most be needing of this new tool? Like, what's the process there? So surgeons all have a specialty, I mean, except for a general surgeon, but mm -hmm. generally sell. So let's say you're developing XYZ, and this is where marketing managers work with an engineer on what is that unmet need of the customer, but you're typically mm -hmm. looking at a type of surgeon. So okay. um, a colorectal surgeon or a thoracic surgeon. So you use that surgeon specialty and you target with the development of the products so then you can go to, let's say, a bariatric surgeon, say, I have this new product that meets the needs, um, maybe causes some kind of improvement inside that bariatric case. Um, but I'm, actually, I'll just kind of branch into one thing that's been really interesting uh, with what exactly you said is a different way to think about creativity in a big company like ours is we're constantly thinking of ways to do something differently. How can we reach our customers differently? Now, I understand that you are also working on and launching your own podcast through your work. Can you tell me a little bit about that? What's what's kind of the goal? What's the angle of starting? Well, actually, podcasts? we already launched it. Uh, and oh, it's, okay. it's been a really fun project. We started probably a year or so ago, and I formed a core, a small team. And we did just what you said, like, what, what were we going to offer? And our podcast is for our sales reps. So that's my target audience. Like I said, we have 900 sales, sales reps. And right now we have 750 subscribers to our podcast. So we're doing really well. Um, so our podcast is called The Scrub Sync. And we spell sync, S-Y-N-C. And the uh, logo includes like a little scrub sync. And kind of the play is that when you sales rep and you're in the hospital, you're down on the you know OR floor, you walk up to the surgeon and you talk at the scrub sink. And so that's kind of the, okay. the play on words. But right now we have probably launched, I want to say 300 episodes. Oh, wow. We do okay. at least one a week. They launch every Wednesday and I'm responsible for the calendar but then I have probably 40 folks um, within U.S., within marketing, who are all working on the content. And we have content just covering, you know, all sorts of different types of surgical procedures, 
But because it's for our sales reps, we really focus on best practices. So that's what our, our podcast is really about. How do we take a learning, let's say from, you know, one, one sales team in LA and by developing a podcast and talking about what they learned and how did they convert that surgeon to change from a competitive device to an Ethicon device? We create the podcast, we interview that sales team, and then we the, the goal is that we'll get a sales team in New York to listen to the podcast and replicate that experience. So that's really the primary mm-hmm. objective is sharing best practices across the country. Perfect. A uh, really quick question about that. What um, Do you know what uh, platforms it's on, like where people can find this podcast, Is it or is it just kind of a J&J exclusive? It is just J&J. So the J&J okay. app that has podcasts from all over the company, all over the globe. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's quite a few different channels. So Scrub Sync's considered a channel, but we're one of mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds of J&J channels. Have you ever thought has and has your team or you know your department ever thought about making a more uh, public podcast, maybe for people that want to know more about J and J's current developments at the time, people that are interested in the company themselves, or people that are just interested in sales of medical devices or sales in general? Has there ever been any talk about a more public podcast? Or you know, really? it's a great question. So I, I'd say two years ago, I was in a slightly different marketing role. And because we don't have a core competency and we're just starting, like I'm working with a new consultant, we're going to do a podcast workshop next week. It's really not something that we've got a core competency in. So two years ago, I actually was approached by a podcasting company and we recorded a three series podcast for our customers. So that was the first time that U.S. marketing had done that. But because it's our core competency, it was all under the branding of that other company. And, you know, they let us have our Ethicon banners and talk about Ethicon products, but we didn't really publicize it as a J&J or Ethicon. So we have, so to answer your question, yeah, we've considered it, we've dabbled in it, but again, it's mm-hmm. not really our core competency right now. Okay. Um, is your team so kind of moving back to more? So obviously, uh, the podcast sounds like a really innovative, creative way to reach your team, reach your salespeople. Have you guys considered any other forms, such as perhaps like social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, or perhaps like a newsletter type deal? I mean, is it or is the podcast really all there kind of is for your sales guys? Like, how else do you reach them, like from a social media standpoint? Is right. Kind of what I'm so our sales team. They have a just, it's really, I don't know if you've heard the phrase, a customer relationship management or a CRM. So mm-hmm. there's platforms out there mm-hmm. in technology. So it's a platform where our sales reps, they go into these tools every day, maybe four or five times a day. And within that platform, when they log in, we have marketing announcements. We have marketing um, brochures for them to share with their customers. We have presentations. We might post, um, hey, you will, you know, if you do X, Y, Z, you'll increase your compensation. So we reach them, it's a majority of the time outside of the podcast, it's through this CRM platform. And that's, yeah, that's our our portal. We do have virtual calls with the sales team uh, from a marketing Mm -hmm. department. So I lead those, those are once a month. 
uh, kind of the last question here, wrap things up. So obviously, you know, with COVID-19 and everything happening, J&J was not any different than anyone else. You know, obviously you've been working yes. from home. What has kind of been like, what would you say the most creative way, what was the most creative thing you kind of have done to keep the work and keep, um, you know, the, the efforts of the team and whatnot going along as normal as possible through this distance setting, so to speak? Like what, what's kind of your most creative innovation in this time is kind so of what I'm asking. I'll, I'll answer for kind of the, the broader team. Um, our company, because we could not be in surgical cases, we started reaching out to other third-party companies who have a competency on remote learning. And um, it's been highly, it's huge. And it, we've, it's been growing and growing. So the way that it works is we've got cameras on our end, um, which actually we just use our, our regular camera on our laptop and it's streaming over the internet. But there are these sophisticated um, sets of equipment. It's almost on like a huge stand with cameras, multiple cameras from different angles. And they are, we, and Jane Jay's paying for this. They're actually sitting in the OR. So we can be coaching here in marketing or a sales team logged into a site and be giving the customer, and we can have other faculty doing this as well, but we're, we're giving the customer who's the surgeon, you know, advice as they're in the OR and they're actually operating on patients. So this has been, from a COVID perspective, this has been huge because for us to launch a new product, we need surgeons to try it. So like I said, the mobile bus, that's coming. But for the last year, the way we've been keeping ourselves in the OR is through this like remote learning technology where we actually pay to have these cameras installed in the OR. And of course, there's all sorts of compliance issues with um, health privacy. And so everything's taken care of. Con you know, we have contracts signed with the hospital. I'd say that's kind of the biggest thing that we've been doing to, to stay afloat with our, with um, especially Jacob, all these elective surgeries. They were hit the hardest with COVID. Mm. And most of Ethicon's products are in surgeries that were deemed elective by hospitals. So, yeah, okay. that's probably our biggest example. Well, that is all I needed to know. Um, thank you very much for sharing both kind of um, a look inside your work during this time and just kind of your insights overall. I uh, really appreciate no you coming problem. on the show Thanks today. No problem. Thanks for the invite. Um, and then... I will. We might be having to up, catch up a few months down the road to see how this yeah. bus thing turns out because I think myself and people that are listening yeah. will be rather interested. So, but anyways. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Take care. Once again, I just want to thank Mrs. Forte for coming on the show today and telling us a little bit about her uses of creativity in her work at J and J and Ethicon. Uh, unfortunately, I can't link her podcast because it's for J and J only, but. We still have plenty of content here to go on today's show, and we will be right back with it in a moment. All right, viewers, we've had our fun today. Let's get serious for a minute. A little self-reflection, if you will. It's tough for some of us. So today's episode, we've talked to a number of people about creativity. What is creativity? It's a very subjective term. To something that's created to one person may be absolutely abstract and boring to the next. And I think that's what makes creativity such an inspiring form altogether. It's so subjective. It's, it can be interpreted in so many ways. There's no defined definition. Now, the formula 
for creativity, as said by our my professor James Johnson of ESP 103, is that creativity is surprising, it's new, and it's effective. Okay, but what makes something effective? Well, it gets the job done in a more cost-efficient, resource-efficient way than the last thing. What makes something new? Well, it hasn't been done before. But then we get to the most subjective piece of it all, and some people don't even include this in the formula of creativity. Is it surprising? Well, what makes something surprising? Does it knock you off your feet? Does it blow your socks off? Well, it may not always do, but it can still be surprising. You weren't expecting it. But see, that's where such subjectivity comes into this whole thing. You know, what does creativity mean? Creativity to me is something that's never been done before. Something new, something out there. You know, I may look at a piece of art and say, well, yeah, it's impressive. It's a beautiful portrait, but everybody does portraits. There's so many portraits out there. I may look at an abstract piece and say, well, yeah, but everybody does abstract. It's shapes and cubes. And maybe I don't fully understand the meaning behind this artwork. No one's ever accused me of being an artificinado. But really, at the end of it all, what really matters is creativity is a subjective type. If you feel it's creative, then it most likely is. Creativity is something you just, you know, you feel it in your gut. You see something, you say, man, that's creative. That's really out there. If, if it catches your eye, it makes you look back and say, wait a minute, did I just see that right? Did I just hear that right? Well, then either A, it's really weird and shocking and you should probably run, or B, it's creative, it's new, it's innovative. And you might benefit from looking into that a little more. So that's creativity to me. It just is so surprising, you can't help but stop, turn around, and look at it one more time to make sure you really fully saw what you just did. Now, some people may ask me, well, Jake, Aren't you creative? I mean, you're making a podcast. You must be a pretty creative guy. It's like, I don't know if I really would claim myself as creative. I can't draw. I can't write. I can't sing. And I won't torture you by proving that. But at the end of the day, creativity comes in so many ways. Can I make a hell of a podcast? Absolutely. Can I innovate? Maybe. You know, it depends. Creativity is all around us. Can I make a fantastic golf shot that no one ever thought was possible? Yeah, I can. And some may find that creative. Some may call that lucky. Some may call that a waste of time and money. It all depends. You know, so what I may say is creative may not be creative to you. But at the end of the day, I think myself and really everybody, I mean, Dr. McLaughlin, um, your professor, your parents, the cashier at the local store, everybody is creative in their own way. And I really think that no one can claim they're not creative. Everybody has the potential the potentiality to be creative. They just have to look hard enough to find it. Entrepreneurial thinking. Um, that's a tough one. Entrepreneurial thinking is, you know, obviously thinking like an entrepreneur, but every entrepreneur does things a little differently. I would say the main thought of entrepreneurial thinking is really looking at ways you can make your business better. Most people that own a business are labeled entrepreneurs. And I would include, you know, but I mean, Some can almost say this podcast could be considered an entrepreneurial opportunity. There's ads, there's chances for revenue, and it's a chance for me to express myself in a different way. But, you know, I have to be thinking about it. Like, for example, you know, keeping these podcasts not super long so people have the time to listen to them. If they're an hour every time, nobody's going to stop for an hour. Nobody has an hour. The days are too short and everyone's too busy. So I have to make sure to minimize these so people have the time and efficiency to listen to these. In in the end of the day, I think entrepreneurial thinking is really about 
thinking of more effective ways, more creative ways, more friendly ways to make your business more successful, to make the people working for your business happier and more content with their jobs, and also allowing room for growth, making sure you're always looking for the next thing. What's the next step? Can we make this expansion bigger? Can we hire more people in this? Do we maybe change our delivery system? There are so many opportunities to think like an entrepreneur in everyday life and especially in the business setting, but it all takes a little bit of genius and a little bit of creativity. Now, my final point I'm going to make here on this really deep self-reflection, if you will, is personal growth. Everybody grows at their own pace. There's no way around that. But can a creative mindset help fuel personal growth? I think it can. I think by thinking outside the box and trying something new, you can expand how you view the world. You know, before today, I never thought in a million years I'd make a podcast. I'd listened to podcasts. I had friends that made podcasts. But I never really saw myself as a podcast personality. Never saw myself one for radio, if you will. But then, lo and behold, I thought, well, you know what? Let's give it a try. And I have been sitting around in the studio all day. Recording, deleting, editing, calling up people to be on the show, implementing music, this, that, and the other. And the entire time, yes, it's difficult work, but the entire time, I found myself enjoying it. I now have a new project of my own that makes me happy, it makes me think a little more creatively, and it's applicable to both class and real-world experience. So I think being creative not only tells you what you may be good at, but it also might tell you what you're not so good at. You try something new and it just doesn't go well, okay, try again. If it doesn't go well, well, maybe that's not the thing for you, you know, but eventually the, the thing is you don't know until you try and you really can't say you tried until you put your best mental, academic, physical, and creative effort forward into the final product. And if you put it all out on the line, you put your soul all out there and it just doesn't go well. Well, then you know what? You can walk away saying, I tried my best. I did the work. I did the time. I did everything and it just didn't come out well. It's just not in my Rolodex tricks. Then you move on to the next thing. You try something new. You keep going. And eventually, you will reach a point to which you have found something not only are you good at, but you can maybe add a little innovation to it. Maybe add a new creative mindset. And you've already grown as a person. That journey of getting there, you've grown as a person. And the only thing you can do from this point is continue to grow. You never stop learning. You can never stop learning. I believe Albert Einstein said that. I'm paraphrasing, though. You know, as Mark Twain once said, the two most important days of your life are the day that you're born and the day you find out why. Well, I don't know if this is the reason why I'm here. I don't know if any of us truly know why we're here. But you keep moving forward. You keep being creative. You keep trying new things and you keep going for gold. Eventually, you will discover the reason you're here. And I really think that's what personal growth and creativity is all about. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for today's episode of Flannel Talk. Once again, I'm your host, Jake Higgins. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit back, relax, and enjoy this interesting conversation I've had with num numerous guests today. Um, this is the first episode of hopefully May to Come. I plan on making about one to two episodes per week. Um, we will see how that goes given my schedule, but I will do my very best to get this content out. Um, anyone who is finding this on the Anchor app in about a week to 10 days, I hope to have this up and published on 
Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. So keep an ear out for that. And hopefully, um, you know, every episode will only take about 24 hours to upload given Spotify's turnaround time. But yeah, I will be linking uh, Dr. McLaughlin's um, FYIC social medias in the chat or in the description of this episode, my apologies. Uh, Most likely their Instagram and their LinkedIn. I might throw in their TikTok if I can find it. Um, Once again, I want to give a big thanks to both Dr. McLaughlin and Ms. Forte for inputting their own wisdom and insights into today's show. And um, I will also be creating an Instagram and I will be creating an Instagram account for this podcast. So keep an eye out for that. I will link it in the next episode, most likely, because I haven't made it yet. But uh, yeah, so I appreciate you all taking the time to put your flannels on, get warm, get cozy, and listen in. Until next time, viewers, this is Jay Kagan saying goodnight.